next one, last one I'm going to do for the moment is one that this has been a good lockdown for me, actually. You know, so I've got two poems published uh, in a Leopard Arts uh, online magazine yesterday. Uh, they called me a veteran poet. It means, you know, I'm the old bugger in the team. You know, so this one's called Toxic Toxicity. I think I maybe read it here before. I don't know. Toxicity. Darkness descends, the streets are foreboding, hooded gangs bubble, dim lights shine shapes in the shadows, the toxic city waits. Masks abound, around close shops and stores, few cars emit polluting gases, and strangers eyes down pass each other. Winter draws near, the fear still lingers. The year has been like no other, with bodies piled up and loneliness has eased, but memories Ah, memories. Remembering when things were fine, when we all lived together, trusting, rightly or wrongly, that now it's changed. The world is strange. The future remains bleak as we seek answers. Answers which aren't there. Because leaders didn't care. Egos got in the way. Sanity. And many suffered. The toxic city prepares for a long, dark. Thank you. Thank you, Finn. No sweat, cheers. That was awesome. Okay, so. Uh, uh, so, next up, I need to do something first. Tilly, are you good to go? Yes, yes, I'm here. Uh, right, okay, so uh, last week I did a really risque poem which had lots of uh, <laughs> vulgarity in it. And uh, I, I said that I didn't do much children's stuff, but I did do a few children's stuff. And I looked through a lot of my stuff, and I do do quite a bit of children's stuff, but this is the one that um, children seem to enjoy if ever I inflict it on them. I always say um, this is a tale of endurance, not only for the characters, but for you. <clears throat> Parsimonious Lighthouse. There once stood in the cold North Sea a lighthouse tall and straight, which was manned by two brave souls, the keeper and his mate. The keeper's name was Pegleg Pete, a prudent, careful sort, who knew the way to keep his job was keep the spend to naught. He feared that lighthouse keepers could be swapped for new devices, which did the work of several men at fractions of the prices. And so to make sure both ends met, Pegleg kept, peg kept scrutiny on all the outgoing costs, whilst Frank looked out to sea. Frank was the lighthouse keeper's mate, and it was his plight to follow all his boss's plans, which kept the ledgers right. When the tide was out and calm, Frank would search the rocks 
for barnacles and seaweed strips and dinner he'd concoct. When the fire was burning low, Frank was sent afloat to find loose bits of driftwood or pick scraps off the boat. He'd wash their clothes in sea salt foam and paint the walls with kelp. For breakfast they had seagulls' eggs found without Pegleg's help. Then one, first, then one day this tiny team had its first argument about how to cope frugally when the lighthouse light bulb went. I'm not running round with a torch all night, said Frank, his voice getting higher. And we've burnt everything that's worth burning, so we can't make much of a fire. Calm down, calm down, said Pegleg Pete. Of that I'm quite aware. Go up and fetch the cellar key. I'm sure we have a spare. So up and round and 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 up and round. Frank went to get the key. Up and round, up and round and 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 up and round. We got there finally. Down and round and 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 down and round with the key held tight. Down and round and 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 down and round with all his might. The storeroom shelf was full of bulbs, each different, every one. So Frank was sent to fetch the bulb which recently had gone up and round and 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 up and round. Frank went to get the dud up and round and 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 up and round as fast as as he could. Down and round and 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 down and round with the bulb held tight. Down and round and 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 down and round. He ran down every flight. As quick as that, they found a spare, a 20,000 watt. And so Frank gathered up his strength to run back to the top. <laughs> up and round and 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 up and round. Frank ran upstairs, although up and round and 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 up and round. He left the bulb below. Down and round and 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 down and round cursing as he climbed. Down and round and 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 down and round. Frank got the bulb this time. Up and round and 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 up and round. Frank ran with all his might. Up and round and 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 up and round. He went to change the light. 
round and 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 down 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 and round Frank tripped on the top stair down and round and 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 down and round still holding the stair Poor Frank had broken every bone. He looked an awful sight. And what was worse, they both observed it was not long till night. Was then the lighthouse keeper sighed, this is no time for thrift. Just for once, forget the stairs. Why don't we use the lift? Considerable waste of your time. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, you must be knackered now. I think we all need a break. Like on people's encouragement last week, I've um, started my own website. So I'm going to yes, yes. I'm going to put the Brilliant. details in the, the top below. So you can all click on it and see. Great, great thing. <laughs> That's fantastic. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could hear everyone laughing, and that was awesome. Yeah. I love that. And Holly's eyeshadow's running. Mm. <laughs> 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 All right, okay, so up next, we are going to go to Ken. Hello, Ken. Hello, folks. Hello. Hello, Ken. Yeah, that well, follow that, right. Uh, first of all, get my enormous face off the screen so as not to frighten myself. Okay, um, this, uh, this first poem um, is about having reached a certain point in your life. And I'm not talking about midlife crisis. I'm talking about something a bit further on than that. Um, it's called No Particular Place to Go, which, of course, is the title of a Chuck Berry hit. And that mm. is relevant. It goes like this. Far beyond the point of no return, past all reach of aid or intervention, having hauled the same ragged sled full of that stuff you thought you needed for considerably longer and further than could ever be called sensible, earbuds embedded and player set to shuffle in the hope of taking the edge off the sheer bloody tedium of the exercise, and notwithstanding a lifelong commitment to vegetarianism, having long seen, since eaten the last of the huskies, you find you've arrived. Welcome to the magnetic north pole of your life, the place beyond which all further journeying, regardless of apparent direction, can only be, at best, a managed retreat. Your compass needle knows it too. Hitherto an unswerving monotheist, impressively certain of purpose, absolutism's biggest fan, now it dawdles, sheepish, shocked at its own indecision, and, frankly, embarrassed by the whole thing. And it is here and now that in an act of serendipity so sweet that if your lips weren't frozen solid shut, you'd laugh out loud, it happens. For once, indeed, for the only time so far in the entirety of your journey, the shuffle pixie gets it right, drops the virtual needle on Chuck Berry and his trademark Gibson chime. Thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, um, now as it's the middle of summer, I thought I'd do a poem about snow. Um, yeah. well, actually, technically, it's not about snow, it's about the English language and something with, that I think is missing from it. Uh, this poem is called Alack. Why, in English, haven't we a word for the uniquely squeaky, staggered crumple fresh snow gives when trodden underfoot? I'll own up now. I haven't been to look, but I'll offer you an even bet the Swedes have got one. Likewise, Danes, Norwegians, Finns, the whole fur-booted, four-wheel-driven, herring-chewing crew. Not us, though, or, as far as I'm aware, not yet. At any rate, not to the point of being in such common use as to have caused orgasm at OEDHQ. It would be rather fun to have one, don't you think? Not fancy, showy, technical or difficult to spell, just something short evocative, sufficient to the task, a little, soft but brittle word to thrill the palate, chill the tongue, and chase around your teeth before it melts. Cheers, folks. And, uh, thank you. Uh, this last poem um, was written in the wake of having moved from Boothy, swinging, happening London, uh, East London, where the hipsters live, in fact, uh, to <laughs> Norfolk. And for the benefit of those who don't live in the UK, Norfolk is a very rural place. Um, this is called A Rural Practice. The vet, he toils, insomniac, a hostage to nights spent tossing feverishly, restless, robbed of sleep. For regardless of how thoroughly he's washed it, his manhood remains resolutely redolent of sheep. The shepherd, knowing naught of this, sleeps well. A husband and a father, he abhors such vile folly. Copulate with ungulates, he'd sooner rot in hell. His wedding tackle smacks of border collie. The dog trainer has no such base proclivity. Her charges run no risk of being molested on their walks. She never bears a whiff of any bestial activity, save when the moon is fullest and her firkin rank with fox. The huntsman would deride this trait as monstrous, unthinkable he'd snort, guffaw, hoot, chortle, bellow, laugh, mindless of the fact that in his jodhpurs he reeks of filly and of stallion, both ways, fore and aft. But yon worthy's humble stable lad is wiser. He knows better than to put it where it should not astray. Each new dawn, by turns, reveals upon his early riser the musk of Huntsman's wife, her son, and his new fiancé. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Right, so, four, nine. Does anyone... Fancy taking a break? Yeah? I think there's a few people muted. Do you want to put your hand, like, still? Do you want to put your hands up if you want to break? Yep, yep. Yep. We've reached poetry right, saturation cool. here um, until the break. Yes. So, 10 minutes? 10 minute break happening here. Cool. We're going to be back at 12.55 uh, with more poetry. Yes, yes, Y E S. Would anyone like to be a mute? Yes. 
you are you're listening to Mutiny Radio. We're going to take a 10-minute break, and we'll be back. I'll be playing some music in the fills. We'll be back with more poetry. Choose poetry. Choose life. Today with host Andy Talbot. Go buy his book. What's your book again? It's a, I, I know the picture uh, on the front. It's someone getting punched or something. Uh, old Wounds, New Skin. Old Wounds, New Skin. Andy Talbot, poetry book, out now. Changed in the second edition with, I think, three new poems he was saying. So that's exciting. Yeah. We're going to be back with more poetry. Choose poetry, choose life in 10 minutes. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> There's a bit in the end where I get Hawkins and things like that. I'm eating things up, as I should. Um, not apologizing. <laughs> and in the fills, we'll play a little Bug House Square. If you want to know about Bug House Square, you can listen every Tuesday from 6 to 8. And they have Sounds from the Basement, which is really great, and new music. Sean's amazing, and you should listen to his show. You should download it. There's so many. He's been doing this for like 10 years. He has so many amazing shows, so much wonderful music. So go into the Bug House Square and download some stuff, buddy. But until then, listen here. We're going to be back with more poetry in 10 minutes. Choose Poetry, Choose Life from Glasgow, Scotland, and all over the world. There we go, there we go.
Yeah, that's uh, four-way cross long talk. Uh, we're going back to the basement. This is uh, the quiet type. It's a metal thrash crossover from Santa Maria, California. Uh, quiet type is a California Central Coast crossover thrash project formed by a group of absolute motherfucking killers. All right, man. All right. With that said, this is hatred within. If you dig this, look for the quiet type on Reverb Nation. Last touch, I'm touching this. Will you? Ooh, let's not, let's not play that. Let's not play death metal in the middle of the choose poetry, choose life. Beautiful poetry reading, and all of a sudden, death metal comes on. It's like, We're going to be right back with Choose Poetry, Choose Life in, like, it's actually technically been 10. But some death metal did come up, and that's very funny, and I will remark on that quickly. Um, I want to write as a poet. I want to make money someday. That's probably not going to happen. But I thought I could write lyrics for death metal, because lyricists, you know, they make money and whatever. So I wrote a couple songs. Uh, the first one is about things people like. Puppies, kittens, unicorn, lots of porn. People love porn and end rhyme. It makes them feel complete. Uh, the second song involves assonance. All the poets on the call know what assonance is. It's a rhyming between slant rhyme or rhyming vowel sounds in, in between lines. And it goes, at dawn, the chainsaws. If you don't speak death metal, that's at dawn with chainsaws. It's the ah sound of the slant rhyme. Uh, my third song, I think it's going to be my big money maker. It's called 23-Year-Old's Lament. It goes, I have the worst roommate. Knock, knock, knock on the door while I masturbate. Oh, mom, why do I live with my mom? That was a death growl. That's a convention of death metal. So that's how I'm going to use my poetics for good. I'm going to write lyrics for death metal. I think we're back here on the call. Hey, everybody. Are we back? Are you back? Yeah. There we are. Hey, and we're back. Choose poetry. Choose life here with Andy Talbot and friends. And Pam Benjamin hanging out here in San Francisco. They're in Glasgow, Scotland. We got more poetry coming at you. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> All right. Cool. So I think to kick off the second half, we're going to go to Leslie. Is that okay? Yep. That's fine. All right. What do I read tonight? Heavens. Um, all right. I'm going to start with... Um, <clears throat> Love this night. Love this night. This is the night that we break it down, the divides and separations, the rifts, the fissures, and we love each other. This is the night, not, not no pretend, no fake. I love you, man. I love you, woman. I love you, brother. I love you, sister, thumping on the back. No holding back the wisdom, the release, a real embrace, a real thing, love. What would it be like? How would we go about it? What would pure love be? What would it feel like, smell like, look like? Is there anything, is it anything we know? 
any place we have already been? Are we intimate with the real get down intimacy of real love? You've got to break it down to the moment because it happens in flashes. The flip of energy coursing across a room, a shadow out of the corner of your eye, the blink of the eye that is God in action, God in movement, God dancing. The dancer is to the heavens as the fisherman is to the sea. Above and below, it is sheer, pure love and love only. That slippery moment when a chord from a guitar penetrates your bones. How would we go about it, fleeting love? Maybe it's as simple as paying close attention to that slippery moment, that too fast to catch flicker of movement by the dancer in the freeze-frame pirouette, the light flick of the wrist of the fisherman casting the line, Pay attention to the moment in between. Stand upright. Look it in the eye so that your love, the love coming your way, the love with your name on it, hurtling at you, coming for you, the love that is there for you and no one else, that is right there in front of your face, even if you are not looking, just notice. Look it in the eye. Hold on to it. See it. Be with it. If only for one moment before it slides down off of you and falls between your cracks. Thank you. All right. I categorize these poems um, as my rants, and maybe they're not rants, but <laughs> this one's called Sunspots. The force of the sun loosens its grip only when you are sleeping and dreaming your personal dreams of dust, your dreams, not mine, of beauty, harmony, and that which you think you are. Are you that, or are you other? Are you mindful? What secrets in the explosions, the flare-ups, what secrets we hide? The far-reaching arms of the sun in its glorious outrage, the tentacles of self-reverential power, that lay claim to us all, that will to power like the sun, that wonderful, cocksure, almighty will that eats itself and all that is around it. Who are we to say we know? Who are we to say that we are wise? Who are we to say at all anything except I serve? Not the I am, not the I am that I am, but that I serve, simply that. And if you serve, if you say you serve, who is it that you serve? You? I don't think so. And I don't ask for this. Never would I ask for this. I serve myself and need no help. Surely, if nothing else, you see this. And if not me, then who? You serve yourself less surely than you serve me. Pray for it, my friend, that we attain balance, that we meet at best and by default only in the middle. The sun, our redeemer, that rascal adventurer like us, remains firmly, surely in the center. And this is best, isn't it? This is best. There is wisdom in the darkness that cloaks us in disguise under cover of darkness. We emerge at times as that which is most rare. Ah, the moonflower twining into the inevitable. It is the night journey we undertake together, and in our night journey we bloom and we bloom 
and beauty lovely to behold. In our darkness, it is the wisdom of the shadow world that shields us, forgiving us our follies of the day. Babies of the shadow world, we sleep like the little lambs of the flock, always innocent, always new and unsullied, untroubled by our daylight selves, our white thick fleece shielding us from self-knowledge. We remain always unrepentant, never saying I'm sorry, never forgiving the other or ourselves, always asleep and dreaming our dreams. At night, nourished by the sun, comforted by the moon, always we grow longer, wider, more vast and knowing, nourishing, nourished in body and mind and spirit. Our souls longing for more, for growth, for the union of soul on soul, soul with soul. Can we have it this time around? We are the balance of light and dark. We are the daughters of the sun, the sons of the moon. We are both and neither. We are only that which and those who forgive ourselves and each other. We are only this, for our time is sometimes short. I imagine a world where the sun forgives us our nighttime follies, our flirtations with the moon. I imagine a world where the moon forgives us our daytime dramas, the insufferable pride, our monstrous whims. I imagine the balance of the light and the dark, and it is mine. Those were a bit long, so I'll stop at that. You can do another one if you like. Oh yeah. Do another one. Oh yeah, absolutely, go for it. So, uh, what what would you guys like a love poem? Yes, or, yes, love poem. Or, yes, or a yes, poem yes. about words. Probably a poem about words. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I think I think people would like. I'm a sucker for a love poem, but yeah, mm -hmm. do the do the word one. I'll do the love poem next week. Brilliant. <laughs> this one, this one's called the clouds. Um, I'm one of those people who love clouds and, and here in, in, in England, in UK, they have um, the Cloud Appreciation Society. <laughs> and for 30 pounds, you can join and become a member. And what they do is they take pictures of clouds rather than nattering about them. So I think that's a wonderful cause. I love this one's called the Seated Clouds. The thoughts that come to you, come into your head, and rumble round or snake insidious, the ones, you know these thoughts, the ones that have shape, their own substance and form, image, even music that cannot be given voice, never that, because this asks too much, too much. Like clouds forming and shifting, dis disappearing and reforming, they are yours, fragile, inside the workings of your mind, like when the sun hits clouds, Fragile, they are amorphous, oh. unheard, and deeply, deeply private. Um, of, uh, thank you, Hilda. I just... I'm so sorry. That's all right. And deeply, deeply private. These ghosts of thoughts, your ghosts of ideas that form wanting birth yet hide, wanting yet hide, waiting and want and wait, and jeer sometimes, these phantoms that cannot stand up to the proof of considered thought, that cannot stand up to language, that cannot exist in the light of day, but only in containment. Is that what your life carries? Is that who you are? No one knows but you. They are the formation, your thoughts of clouds. They are the beginning, 
They are the seeds, clouds, coming rain. Or the easy words you say, words without clouds, when the sun is right up there bold and over hot in the sky. Even though you are in shadow, these words you say, forming them with your mouth, your tongue, your lips. Is this you? We can falsify. We can deny. We can withhold. So deep into us these truths which have no form, they're only words, or which have only form and not words, or words that won't form and wait until forever for the true thoughts to override them with chit-chat, with the mundane, the inane. But there is that moment, yes, when the weight comes, the weight of necessity, the weight of insistence, the weight of our own truth, the need to the need to get these damn things out of our heads and finally deeply say, speak, talk, write, scream, get out, get out, get out. The shapes, the constructs, the towers, the rivers, the pyramids, our islands, the bridges, explode them all and talk, write, read, make the bridge, use them, private ideas, public talk. You are the seed of clouds. You are the rain. Make us all wet. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So up next we're gonna go to Christine Fowler. Hi. Um, I've been away. Um, the last fortnight, hi, um, on holiday, and now I've a little tour and caravan that's 40 years old. <laughs> so I'll, most of the posts I've been doing over the last time are obviously very nature-related, um, because I've been out in the countryside. Uh, I would have tossed in something slightly different for that, just so I don't do everything on one flavour. But there's a lot of poems about trees, because I really, really like trees. <laughs> uh, the first one's called uh, Ghost Trees. Flocks of birds fill the sky below. Ghost trees hard pressed line up grey and white in the steady pouring rain. Light negative vision photographs the scene in a still which lingers in the air. No movement, no sign of life or sound to disturb this picture hanging there. Then, in a blink, the vision changes as sound once more is heard as the owl's voice sails across. The wind and the death cries of mice reach out, and flocks of birds no longer hang within the sky. Below, three-footed in the dark, loamy ground, hide amongst the flickering shadows brought by the shady sequence the dusk which swirl. Impassioned, surely play, but still the negative tones of grey and white fill the darkness of the night. That's the first one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, the second one is not a nature one, and it's called Knowing That My Heart Is Breaking. Knowing that my heart is breaking, I turn my face away, my words unspoken. Instead, tears slide down in silent pain. I sink, curled in misery down upon the floor and there wait for the darkness within to match my shadow my sorrow and my shame it wasn't what he said or did 
It wasn't that at all. Instead, it was misfortune that gave my pain and took its toll. It was what I did and didn't say that was revealed to him. It was only then I realised what I had thrown away. As I was left all alone, the rest faced in a life that felt so grim. The second one. Um, the, the third one, I'm going to do four because I tend to do shortish ones. Um, the third one, um, I was driving along and the view out of one side of the car was at such a contrast to the rest of the countryside. Um, and it sort of prompted this poem and I've called it Tree Cemetery. Tree Cemetery, desolate and grey shorn stumps weeping sap and toothpicks branches sticking up or snap. Death camps of bald stumps cut and left to bleed in a ravaged land. Rising, dark and alone, isolated scattered trees bereft and lost, and snapped off branches racing high, arrowing upwards, piecing the sky. The land, a war-torn landscape, as logging machines scream and hiss, tearing the forest unable to resist. Earth's lungs torn into shreds to fulfil man's greed as woody dryads weep and die and trees no longer reach the sky. Mm. Um, the, the last one is called Green Gold Barley, which is, sort of starts off in that vein, but it sort of goes darker as it progresses. Anyway, and this was when I was, one of the places we stay in the caravan, we always stay in what you call Sierras, which are li little tiny, um, farm sites and behind pubs where you have a maximum of five caravans. So you tend to be quite often the only one there. And this particular one had a sort of a half a mile walk up if you, if you didn't drive out, which was along this path. And this was on one side of this field. Um, so green gold barley. Green gold barley reaching for the sun in lushly growing fields sown by the farmer's hand in the hedgerow Way up high, grown berries hang in clusters red. I wander past with footsteps softly falling. As birds forage round my feet, hollow-boned and as fragile as the wind. Lying verdant grass and stretching banks along my path accompany me. As I peer through bushy branches flung, grasping across the bordering banks into the shadowed darkness of the trees. Juxtaposed another world, distinct from golden sunshine bright, filled with hidden secrets which my eyes cannot quite see. It draws me from my shining path, footsteps treading across the grass, and pushing the bushy foliage aside, I dare to look through the branches. The hair on the top of my head lifts in prehistoric alert as my body senses danger beneath the shadows hidden amongst the trees. The cold wind reaches for my face, as if to suck me in. My feet take over my brain, and moving backwards, I turn me to the path again. Thank you.
Thank you, Christine. Huh? And so up next, we're going to go to Holly. Hi, everybody. Um, let me Hello. just get back onto everyone because I have absorbed and that's freaky. Um, so I have quite a few uh, new ones um, that I've written since the last time I was here, but they're all quite short, so we'll just see how far we get before I run out of time. Um, the first one that I'm going to read is called Where Your Ashes Lay. The first buds of your rose open today, and yellow petals peep through. Can you see through the eye of the bud, or its stigma? Is it a good view? Or from the silver castle? on its chain around my neck, or drunk among the rose hips, tended by your son? Or do you move your consciousness between the places where your ashes lay? Silly lies, but they keep you alive, for me. That's one. Thank you. Um, the second one I'm going to read is called The Moth. How did you come to be here, a fluttering intruder in my home, hypnotized by a natural light? Beautiful but modest, you prefer the night, unlike your slutty sister, butterfly. I watch you dip and twirl, yellow wings beat faster than I can conceive, a miracle of nature and evolution. The cat sits and watches you but doesn't move a muscle, lazy bitch. You flutter around his head that he doesn't see, oblivious to your presence. And your beauty. Um, the next one I'm going to read, um, I'll explain slightly. Um, I'll also, it comes with not exactly a trigger warning, but an offence warning. If you are religious, specifically Christian, um, you're not going to like this one. And I apologise genuinely if you're offended, because I would never set out to offend anyone. Um, but, you know, speak for each himself. Um, so, a friend of mine on my Facebook posted a video this week. Um, what is the word that Christians use? Um, I can't remember the word, but telling everyone um, on her Facebook about, oh, witnessing, that's it, witnessing about a miracle that had happened to her the night before. Uh, she'd Apparently, one of her legs was a centimetre shorter than the other one. And she'd met up with a pastor friend, and they'd prayed for her. And when she woke up in the morning, her leg was <laughs> magically the same. Her legs were magically the same length. And she was genuinely, like, amazed by this amazing miracle. And then rather than commenting on her video and, you know, being a bit rude, I decided to write a poem about it because she's never going to read it anyway, so... So it's called Jesus Privilege. How good God is, I hear you cry, an earnest twinkle in your eye, a bona fide miracle you honestly see. Of your infirmity, you are finally free. Praise the Lord, he's blessed and favoured, his white, wealthy child, Jesus saves her. How good to know God loves his kids, unless they're poor or brown, God forbid. While Africa loses her children to AIDS and millions in India are living enslaved. While cops murder black people for walking down the street and so many of your neighbours don't have enough to eat. Refugees flee war and famine, then from crowded boats are hurled and an incurable virus ravages the world. 
illness, disease, persecution, suffering untold, pollution and climate crisis, slowly warm our globe. But you, oh privileged, blonde-haired child of God, don't have to beg. Praise Jesus, one centimeter longer and a miracle later, he's fixed your fucking leg. <laughs> <laughs> Find the way on. Have we got time for another one? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. Um. Okay. Uh, I have two to choose one, so I'll do similar, and I'll let you guys choose. I have a poem about my brother who's autistic, or a poem about friends that I've made over the Zoom since lockdown started. Which one? Do both. Ah, uh, are you sure? I don't want to rob yeah. anyone else's time. We have loads of time. Okay, I'll uh, I'll do the the uh, one about my brother first then. It's called, like, Trying to Draw Blood from a Stone. When you were a child, you spoke with a stutter for a while. You would sigh in frustration at your tongue, its stubborn refusal to articulate your thoughts. But we knew that they were there, your thoughts, many and wonderful as they were. After a while, and lots of patient silence, you mastered your tongue and your confidence and you were able to speak clearly again. You were the answer to a prayer, mon petit frere, and if the world were kinder, there would be no need for labels or phrases to explain away your quiet, gentle ways, your innocence and childlike play, your obsession with llamas. But society, obsessed with norms, must push upon you its diagnostic forms. Autistic, just a word to put in a box, for people who don't behave the way they like. When you became a teenager, you stopped talking again, sat at your computer, headphones on, rarely choosing to articulate your thoughts. But I know that they're there, your thoughts, many and wonderful as they are. After a while, I patiently hope you will master yourself once more and will be able to speak clearly again. Last one. Uh, it's called The Void, and it's just a really, really short one. The Void. A perfect stranger, a burgeoning friendship, forged in the void. My grandmother passed on years before my birth, so I know that peculiar longing, the love for, and how you can miss someone you've never even met. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. Pam, do you want to go next? Wow, cool. Uh, let me... Yeah. Oop, I gotta unmute. Uh, there we go. Hey, everybody! Yay! Yay! I've got poems. I wrote a new poem. Oh, gosh. Doom is weird, friends. I... If you... If you follow my poetry, <laughs> uh, you know that I, I have a crush on every boy. And I've written a lot of poems about boys. But Zoom is weird, man. I've been getting into some weird stuff. And you'll see it in this poem, I think you will. Okay. Uh, it's called Shoot the Messenger. And um, it, means, it means messenger, like, you know, in a couple different ways. But 
mostly like the computer messenger that we've been using. Anyways, okay. In distance is their closeness. Winged thought, my old man, who could believe? Tethered by this screen, whispers and accents in the dark. Your nipples, or my nipples are hard from your voice. And what is really intimacy? Words of sharing making me wet, your eyes tied to my breasts. Pixels and zeros, where is the one? It used to be pen and paper and horses delivering messages of lust across lands. And now, shoot the messenger. <laughs> I've been doing some dirty things on, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gross. I've never, that was a thing is like, I've never, I've never done like video stuff before. I've never FaceTimed. I've never Google chatted, hangouted. I've never like done anything like that at all. And I am, this is, COVID is a new world, friends. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. I, I would, I just, I've never experienced anything like that. And I'm like, oh, this feels, uh, oddly, it feels sort of like SM stuff because there's a lot of consent and there's a lot of like, are you going to, and, and anyway, we're not going to get into that so much. Uh, there's, <laughs> I wrote two, I wrote two haikus uh, this week. Uh, one is called The Chair. <laughs> Philosophically, you are irreplaceable. Did you think of me? The chair. I was thinking of Plato's chair. Okay, and this one is called Honeypot. When will I be free? The boy has my crap. Oh, let me start again. Honeypot. When will I be free? The boy has my heart captive in his jammy hands. Mm. Mm. Okay. So I'm just going to read a few things here from this crazy poetry project I did. And I, it, it's Flarf. I don't know if you guys know. It's Flarf was like this convention of poetry from like, I don't know, 2006 to like, I don't know if people still do it. But it's where you take other things and you put them together. A lot of it's almost comes from like found poetry from Burroughs, but not really because you're using the Internet in an interesting way. So I wrote this poetry book where I took all of the poems from people in class, in poetry class, because they were their babies. And then I went into loud bar bathrooms and like really loud places. And I called my friend and I left the message. And then my friend changed the message from voice to text. And then when it did a terrible job, we told it it did an awesome job. So that it came out with all of these tropes. And then I took them and I reformatted them into these poems and it, I called it the little book of pedophilia because I was sort of raping my friend's poems and also this book I wrote turned out to be about this like child sex ring with coke whores and moms selling their children. I don't know how that happened but it, it did. So I'm just going to read a couple from this book that I wrote called the little book of pedophilia and the problem is that uh, people didn't like the name so they were like you can't do that and so I never anyway. Maybe I should come up with a different name. I don't know. Any ideas? Okay, so here's the first one. Hey, country, here's your difficult to govern. Seeing as little, it was like the office trying to write an issue. Or something like hello, where you know I hear you. Cool. 
theory and more about the 18, and we go further on into mourning. Whoever's liver battled this season's mother, Mary Ann, or something coming into my house, finally bursting Jordan Schroeder, a memory. You might hear loud noises, but that's my house in the shrapnel hail I am proud to stand under. Three. Discussing something fine like that drop or Trent or Jim Carlisle touching why you came. I'm doing him on bitter weakness. Come find me. Hee <laughs> hee. Stand around the middle of the road. LOL. Kane Campbell blurred in. I'm sorry for you. Four. Other strollers shuttle shutter totally convenient. Think straight, she team and buy. That she who's down. What's going on? Lie or buy, worn a hole in the nose. Mary Ann has a huge white yeah. I'll do one more. <laughs> Afterthought direction guy sways Jordan's songs apart. Oh well, the period is out of the bird, not a peak animal. And that's just to show their everything cascade. Susan proposes to go on further, say sorry, bye, whenever. Watch traction yawn silence at the white mart. A finger thinks for a cool meeting on how the world balanced. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's the uh, that's the little book of pedophilia. There's like 72 of them, and it goes on and on, and it becomes this crazy thing. So, Flarf, who knew? Thank you. Yay! Yay! That's awesome. Thanks, Pam. Yeah, you bet. So next, we're going to go to Beth. Perfect for me. I'm up, Finn has to thank you, there we go. <laughs> um, you're going to get some new things, some workshop things, and something so new that I've literally just pieced it together, so it's not quite... It might not be quite everything it's going to be yet. Um, I've been attending an online right club on a Monday morning and then a review on a Friday. And uh, last week, <coughs> our theme was wormhole weaknesses. Uh, and this is what I wrote. At the moment, because I'm no good at, at physics and astrophysics, I, so 